We're diving right into this. Athlete or podcast, I am not giving you a second to rethink things, Miss Roper. Becca Roper is joining us today on the Athlete or Podcast, and I bet she is up in the air as to why I asked her to come on. But first of all, thank you. Thank you so much for giving us some time uh, today. How are you? I'm great. Um, I'm really excited. And yeah, I have no clue why you asked me on to be here. So I'm interested to find out. All right. I figured as much. I figured as much. So, um, you know, for, for me, uh, there's a lot of people in this sport that have such a similar story. Like, it's just like dad wrestled. I'm going to, I started when I was this age, I wrestled through high school. I, I maybe wrestled a little bit in college, maybe didn't. And I never wrestle again. That is just so typical in our sport. You have a very unique perspective on those types of things. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Give us your wrestling origin story, so to speak. Okay, so I will try and condense this down. Don't, um, don't. We got we got all day, don't. dude. You're our last appointment of the day. We just spoke to your boy Cliff Fretwell for an hour. So oh, we're good and prompt. Yeah, who doesn't? Um, <laughs> but feel free to give us the unabridged version. Okay, so I grew up around the sport. Um, I'm a, originally from Georgia. Um, and if any of you guys are familiar, Georgia is yes, coming up in the sport of wrestling, but in the nineties and stuff, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a hugely popular sport. Mm -hmm. Um, my dad wrestled, um, through high school and then went on to, my parents are both, were both educators. And so he went on to be a high school coach, um, he coached under the legendary Brian Haig. And those of you who are not familiar with Brian Haig, that is Sean Haig's dad. Sean Haig is a legend in the sport of George, uh, <laughs> wrestling for Georgia. Um, and uh, Jeff Bedard as well. He coached Jeff Bedard as well. And mm. um, I just, I grew up around it. My uncles wrestled at Georgia Tech back when they had a program um, under Waterloo, Iowa native Lowell Lange. And um, my brother wrestled all growing up. Um, he actually wrestled through college. But anyways, when we were younger, I wanted to wrestle. And my dad, being the old school coach that he was, he flat out just said, no, honey, I'm not letting you wrestle the guys. Um, and so I had to find ways to be involved in the sport. Um, it wasn't an option for me to not go. It wasn't an option for me to not tag along at practices for my brother. Um, and so I eventually found my spot in the sport, which was the ultimate wrestling sister. I would bring um, public sandwiches to weigh-ins and stuff, you know, after the guys weighed in so they could get some protein in their belly. 
Um, I was designing t-shirts. I was um, getting all of the sisters together on the mat so we could have a little cheering section. Um, it just, it was everything to me. Um, and then when I got older in high school, there was one female in the state that I knew of that was wrestling the boys. And she actually went to uh, the wrestling academy, which is uh, ran by Dustin Kawa, who um, owns Takedown Sportswear now. Um, but anyway, she was there and I would ask my dad, hey, can I get on the mat? She was significantly younger than me. And he was like, no, no, that's not happening. You're not doing that. Um, and so there was um, some resentment there. Um, my parents, when my brother got to, got a little bit older into the sport, I would say probably around like fifth grade, um, there was not a wrestling club in our area that was like a feeder for a high school program. So my parents started one with him uh, or for him with coach Robert Klein, who now coaches at um, Social Circle, which is a, another dynasty program in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was uh, frustrating for me because here I was, you know, wanting to wrestle. And then, you know, there wasn't a youth program and my parents made an opportunity where there wasn't one, but they weren't doing the same for me. Um, and so that was that was frustrating. So throughout high school, I was a manager um, on the wrestling team and I helped out any way that I could. Um, I earned my gas money for the week by driving my brother to the wrestling center uh, to wrestle for coach Arturo on mm -hmm. Sundays. And it was a two hour drive there and a two hour drive back. And that's how I would earn my gas money. And the funny thing is, is like when my brother, he's school always came first and then wrestling. Mm -hmm. And there would be some times where he would say, Hey, you know, mom and dad, I've got a project due. I think it's better for me to skip practice tonight and work on my schoolwork. And my parents were completely fine with that. I would get upset. Yeah. I would be like, what are you, hey, you doing? taking money out of my pocket, man? You know, <laughs> well, no, not even that. I was just like, you're, you, do you think I would say, uh, Drew, uh, Ferguson, which was one of the guys who, when he was in USA, like schoolboy duels, he, he lost four years in a row in the state finals and got second. And it was always to Drew Ferguson. Um, and uh, I would say, do you think Drew Ferguson is taking today off? Do you think that's what he's doing? Or do you think that he's in the room getting better? I was like, I know the answer to that. Do you? Um, I was really brutal. If I could go back now, I would change it knowing what I know now. Um, he won state his sophomore year of high school. And then his junior year of high school, he got third. I didn't show up for his third place match because I said that wasn't good enough. And I was not going to support him. Like I was absolutely brutal, y'all. Like I, I'm not sugarcoating <laughs> it. I was mean. Um, and then you know he wanted his senior year, and he was debating on going to college to wrestle. Um, and I got angry with him. I was like, "What do you mean you're debating this? Like this should absolutely be what you do. Like you've been doing this your whole life, buddy. Like why give up now? Like don't be a quitter." Um. And so, I mean, I, I was hard on him. I was really hard for an older sister. Um, thankfully, he loves me and he puts up with me. But uh, it was it was crazy. Um, looking back now, I would definitely change how I treated him when it came to that. Um, I was mean. Um, <laughs> you know? Well, well <laughs> I, here's the thing, though, right? <clears throat> it seems like 
that was the only way you knew to express it right and like something tells me you start getting around your now husband and your perspective probably changed a little bit am i crazy for saying that Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. So Roper and I were actually, um, we were not in a relationship, an official relationship, but we were talking. Um, my brother's uh, junior or senior year, I believe, probably senior year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I would make comments and he would he would put me in my place real quick. Like, do you know how hard your brother works? And, and Roper did not coach Will. He did like a few things for Team Georgia, like Fargo type stuff, but mm-hmm. that was only for like a match or two at Fargo. Mm-hmm. And um, Roper had no problem letting me know that I was being way too harsh and was not being supportive. Um, and then slowly, as I've transitioned within the sport, I've even got a better understanding now of just how absolutely brutal I was being. Well, what type of transition are we talking? Because people don't realize that. The story does not stop with you being a stat girl somewhere, yeah. right? Like, where where do we go from there? Because that's where it starts getting real unique. Okay, so from there, we go to, in high school, I only dated wrestlers. And I only, I can't even believe I'm saying this publicly, but I only dated state champs. I wasn't going to date someone who wasn't, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um you know, whatever. And so (laughs) this was high school, Becca. Okay. I've grown a lot since then guys, (laughs) but, um, I, when Roper and I first started talking, I, a a guy and I had broken up and, um, it wasn't amicable by any means. And I was young, I was 19 and I was like, screw this. I'm done with wrestlers. I'm moving on. I'm only going to date coaches from here on out. And that is what I coaches that doesn't seem like much of a difference, young lady. Yeah, I know, I know, (laughs) I know. And sure enough, wound up, you know, the first coach I I officially started dating was Roper, and that wound up being the only coach I ever dated because we're married now. But um fast forward to um Roper getting the job at the University of Northern Iowa, and um we we moved up from Georgia to Iowa. And I had a really hard time when we first got up here trying to refine my place in the sport because I grew up around the sport in Georgia. Like everybody knew me or they knew my parents or they knew my brother because my parents are very involved. They're on the Atlanta Takedown Association board. They've helped out. We've helped out with the state tournament for goodness, 20 years now. Um, And just very heavily involved within the sport in Georgia. And then I come up here and nobody knows me Mm. and everybody is just assuming that I am involved in the sport because of my connection to, at the time, my boyfriend, now husband. And that wasn't the case. I've actually been around the sport longer than Roper has. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't get around the sport until he was in middle school. Um, And I've been on it since I was in diapers. And, um, you know, it was, it was hard and it took a, a a while for me to find it. And I didn't truly find it until, um, oh goodness, how many years have we been up here? Four heading into our fifth, fifth season. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a phone call the summer before the fifth year from Jim Miller. Mm-hmm. And he said, Hey, um, I just got hired as the director of the Dan Gable Museum. I'm taking over for Kyle Klingman. And he and Kyle Klingman were very close. And mm-hmm. um, I knew Kyle. 
And uh, my mom had actually came up and visited us in Iowa. And we came by the Dan Gable Museum because she wanted to see it. And that's how I met Kyle. And we started, you know, a relationship from Mm -hmm. from that. And he had interviewed me for Win Magazine. He did an article on me and uh, Keely for women in the sport. And um, he was Jim was like, I spoke to Kyle and he said, you are the woman for the job. He was like, I need someone who is going to be in charge of the museum's social media accounts, the event planning, and the merchandise sales. And he was like, is this something that you would be interested in? And I couldn't say yes fast enough. And he was like, okay, why don't don't you come down for an interview? said, okay. So we scheduled the interview. Um, The interview lasted less than five minutes. He, you know, told me what he was wanting. He was like, so I don't know anything about social media. And I was like, oh, well, I do. And anything I don't know, I can YouTube it. And he was like, okay, great. He puts a little check mark down on his paper. And then he goes, what about merchandise? And I was like, well, I've been designing wrestling t-shirts for as long as I can remember back when you had to do the paint on the shirt yourself before you could get the. the, Cliff Fretwell is rolling over right now. Yes, yes. And so now this was when I was in middle school and stuff. So let's keep that in mind. And then um, I was like, you know, so I got that down pat. And he was like, what about event planning? I was like, oh, I'm from the South. I'm really good with hospitality. I know how to throw a good party. And he was like, perfect, you're hired. And that was the end of the conversation. Um, And I started two weeks later. And it's been absolutely incredible since then. I love my boss. I love my job. Um, you know, the the community up here since I started um, at the museum and the wrestling community has gotten to see another side of me besides just the coach's wife um, and have gotten to know me and my story. The the welcome welcomingness, uh, that's not the right vocabulary, but their hospitality and welcoming, welcoming me into their community has just been second to none. Um, absolutely incredible. And then Believe it or not, let's fast forward a few years, and um, this was yeah, because it doesn't ago. stop there. No, that's that's where you would think like, oh, she got a job at the museum. Oh no, no, we're not done yet. Go ahead, no. young lady. Love this part. <laughs> yes, and so um, fast forward, it's 2021 and August of 2021. And um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with stalemates, but if you Mm -hmm. aren't, look them up on YouTube. They post some funny content. Yeah, it's good stuff. But anyway. They do a a really good job. We got to get him on the show, Joel Shaw. We we do. We really got to get him on the show. Let's put that down. I'll send you his info. That'd be great. Great. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Stalemates. No, you're fine. Zach is the shit. Love him. But anyway, stalemates on their Instagram story had posted and it said, we're looking for uh, two females and or two males who have never wrestled before who want to wrestle at our next street league. And their street league is essentially, they started it in 2020 when COVID and everything was going on. Um, It's like a card lineup, kind of like an MMA and they have like 10 weights, 10 matches and you pay $3 and you can watch this pay-per-viewed event. And so I um, called my girlfriend, Erica Andorf, Marcus Coleman's mom. Marcus is a a badass uh, two-time All-American from Iowa State. And anyway, I called her and I was like, Erica, I think I want to do this. And she was like, zero hesitation. She goes, Becca, that was your gut instinct. You need to do this. And I was like, okay. And so I went home to talk to Roper about it. 
And he looked at me dead in the eye and he said, baby, if you want to do this, I am not telling you no. I support you 100%. I'm not going to be another person in your life that tells you no to wrestling. First of all, the, I, I I remember him explaining it to me slightly differently. <laughs> he, he he goes, Mike, she had her mind made up. There was nothing I was going to do to change it. So it really didn't matter what I said at that point. But go ahead. If you want to tell that side of the story, you can go right ahead. That is true. That is true. I did have my mind up. Um, For sure, I had my mind up. But he answered it correctly. He answered the question the exact way he should have. <laughs> but um, starting immediately, I started training. Uh, the first two weeks were just me trying to get in shape. Because, um, I mean, I wasn't really exercising or anything like that. So it was a lot of cardio, um, squats, um, planking, that type of thing. Um, and I came home one day and I was sore and and Roper was like, I was, my brother had given me the idea when I called him and told him that I should blog about it and mm. just take little videos about the journey. It was like, I think people will really resonate with that. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And at this point, I had probably done two or three videos um, on social media that I had posted. And um, Roper was like, have you considered telling, you know, your story and why you want to do this? He was like, I think that your the response you get from people is going to be better if they know your why. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And um, I sat in the sauna and had my video ready and I had it all planned out what I was going to say. I steered off in a completely different direction in the middle of the video. Um, I actually got emotional and was crying. I was not expecting that uh, response at all. Um, looking back now, I definitely should have expected that response, but mm -hmm. um, it, yeah, but it was great. Um, the whole experience, just even the training for it was so healing and incredible. And I'll never forget this. We're probably about three weeks, maybe four weeks into training. And I had my first wrestling, official wrestling practice with Roper. And keep in mind, that was like the first time I got to buy wrestling shoes and like get on the mat in a way that was other than a sister just goofing off. Sure. Um, or having, you know, a wrestling match in the middle of the living room at the house. Right. And it was absolutely pure joy for me. And Roper looked at me after our practice and he goes, Becca, I could feel it. You were meant to be a wrestler. This is what you were meant to do. Your, your natural ability. He was like, it's there, your instinct, it's there. Um, he was like, I, he was like, I just felt it. And it made me just feel so good. And then probably about a week later, he comes to me and he was like, so what's your goal behind doing this? And I was like, oh, well, I want to win the match. And he was like, nope, that does not need to be your goal. And I was like, well, why? Isn't it everybody's goal to win? Don't we like winning? Like, come on. And he was like, yes, Becca, we like winning. But he was like, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. If that's why you want to do it. He was like, and I think you should really sit down and um, think about it and and see why it is you're actually doing this. And I thought it was a trick question, um, but I sat and I journaled about it actually. And I realized that it had nothing to do with whether I won the match or I lost the match. It had everything to do with me getting to be a wrestler and toe the line and put my, my feet on that uh, white line, you know, that you have and 
compete. It it was nothing about winning or losing or who I was competing against. That had nothing to do with it. It was just the fact that I got to be a wrestler for a match and experience that. And once I realized that, my mindset completely changed. When I was training, I wasn't thinking, oh, let's go beat her. We're going to win. It was, you get to be a wrestler. You're doing this because you get to be a wrestler, Becca. And it was, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So that was my favorite thing that came from, like, I remember, I think I reached out to Roper and said, hey, is your wife taking care of the Instagram at the Dan Gable Museum? He's like, yeah, I'm like, she's crushing it. Keep it, keep going. He's like, I'll tell her you said that. And and I remember also saying, you crazy wife can do this street lead thing? He's like, she is. I'm like, good on you. Keep it going. And so, and so there, there, there were a few responses in between there, obviously. But, but one of the things that Roper said to me was, oh my, she's into this. Like she's way, way into this. And that made me really happy because I think, and, and it, you might not have the best perspective on what I'm about to ask because you are a crazy wrestling person and you always kind of have been. But I think that there, there's a good chance that if more people as adults were allowed or allowed themselves to do this, they would fall in love with it too. I really think that, man. And so maybe you do have a little bit of perspective. What were some of the things that you fell in love with about the sport that you didn't think you were going? Because you thought it was like, I like to win wrestling matches. You didn't know that that really has nothing to do with it. Right? What was it about the training or the, the 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 looking forward to competition or the whatever that you fell in love with that you probably didn't expect to? Um, I think a lot of it was during my training was the satisfaction of doing something hard and knowing that I did it and I did it for myself and I didn't do it because somebody told me to do it. I didn't do it because it came naturally or easy to me. In fact, it was the complete opposite. I was getting frustrated with things because my expectation is watching college level division one wrestlers compete. And right. so things weren't clicking like that for me. I looked like a little baby, you know, infant wrestler out on the mat, you know, and it was frustrating for me. I wanted it to be perfect. I wanted it to be at this high level that is not possible to have when you haven't been training for 20 years. Right. Um, and I think through that, I realized that it had nothing to do with how good I was or how bad I was. It had everything to do with the experience and the joy that I felt in that moment, being on the mat. I can step on the mat even today, can step on the mat for a workout and all of my stresses, all of my problems, they melt away. I'm not thinking about, oh, you didn't have this opportunity when you were 12. You know, all I'm thinking about is, holy cow, this is your life. You get to do this. How special little Becca dreamed of this for, for years and never got the opportunity. And here you are at 
32 years old now saying it doesn't matter. I'm doing it anyway. And it doesn't matter if, if I look bad while I'm doing it, if my technique's not great, if the form's not there, I'm still doing it. And I'm doing something hard and I'm doing it for myself. And it's so healing and brings so much joy to my heart. It's, it's hard to describe adequately. Do you think that, cause it's all, it is hard. It's really hard, Becca. The shit is not easy, dude. Right. And like, I try to explain that to parents and I don't think that they, I don't think they get, maybe they, they can intellectually understand it, but they don't understand how hard it is. I want, I think everyone should wrestle truly. I think, but, but they won't because it's hard. (laughs) Right. So like you see, you see guys, um, like Reese, Reese Humphrey is like pushing adult wrestling, pushing. And I got to be honest with you, man. He, he called me, I don't know. It was months, even probably years ago at this point. And he's like, I want to do this thing. And I'm like, you're crazy. I'm like, you're, it's a fool's errand. Like it's stupid. And I, I don't know if I said it quite that bluntly. He's like, why? I'm like, cause it's too hard. It's too hard. Give me hope. Becca, you are a, a beaming beacon of light. Give me hope that we can get adults to do this recreationally. Oh, we absolutely can. Mm-hmm. There just needs to be the correct um, platform for them to be able to do it um, with people who know what they're doing. Like Reese, Reese is an awesome advocate for veterans adult wrestling beginner level wrestling because Reese is out there trying to get new people who've never done it before into the sport as an adult there are not not people out there trying to do that no and it's definitely not easy um but I I I know I feel it in my bones that there is a need for this um you know especially with females because in my age group specifically, there weren't opportunities. And unless their parents were okay with them wrestling boys, they didn't get those opportunities. I mean, I got to interview um, Dan Gable's daughters and his wife for my podcast a, a few years ago. And his youngest daughter, Mackie, wanted to wrestle. At her high school, um, they asked her, they needed a 103 pounder, or 106 pounder. I can't remember which one it was. And the coach went up and asked her if she wanted to wrestle. Um, and she was like, yes. And she came home and her parents were like, absolutely not. You're not wrestling the boys. Now, if there would have been a girls team, they would have been all for it. Dan's granddaughters are wrestling now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I know that this problem of women who grew up in the nineties and the early two thousands that wanted to have a spot in the sport, especially in Iowa and in the Midwest, Sure, but they weren't allowed to. I think that there's a whole market for this that mm. we're not even tapping into. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the reason why people aren't doing it as far as from the participation standpoint, I can't speak on the coaching standpoint is because they're afraid. They're afraid of failure. They're afraid to put themselves out there and be vulnerable in that way and try something new when they're not, you know, a typical age of, of um, grade school trying a new sport. Um, hmm. But I think that if we 
as a whole can get past that fear of vulnerability and trying something new, I think that the experience and the growth, potential for growth that people can have individually from just trying it is exponential and it can be life-changing to so many other people, not just people like me. God forbid you actually, uh, maybe we, we might even get some new fans out of it too. Yes, absolutely. So I never really thought of it that way. I never thought of it like, oh, we're as adult. Like if you're trying to market adult wrestling, my initial reaction would be to market to men, but maybe that is the wrong choice because men have far too big an ego and are less likely to be able to to get over the things that you're talking about than women. And maybe they didn't have, maybe women didn't have the opportunity to do that earlier in their lives and can see it as the opportunity to do it now. That's, that's interesting. I never really thought of it that way. So if you, if you I mean, were- think of it this way. So you know how there's a veterans division for like sure. UWW and stuff? Sure. They don't have a women's veterans division anymore. There is no women's wrestling. They used to. They don't anymore. Like even USA Wrestling doesn't offer women's veteran tournaments in the United States. Only men's. And so I think there's a whole different demographic that we aren't even aware of that we need to tap into. You know, I, I that's fine. That's fine. But for me, I don't really care about having a veterans division for men or women i think we just need to have more people doing this recreationally if for like and so like a, a part of it is self-serving for me right because a big part of what i've been doing here in california is like dealing with younger kids right like you've seen me on that with those some of those young cats and they're some are real good and some of their dads are um, crazy. And so that's putting it lightly. Mm -hmm. And I want to say to them, strap up. It's easy, right? Strap up. You do it. Right. And so one of my buddies who I do want to have on the podcast, uh, Mark Fitzgerald, one of my, you know, mentors in life. And he's just like, he's my North star, right? Because I get off course a lot. He came in one night and there was a, he came into the club when I was back in Jersey and he was working out with me. And then I had a private lesson at 9 PM and the a dad walks in and the, as soon as he, the dad walks in, the dad turned the heat up. And I'm like, did you just touch my thermostat, bro? I'm like, you know better than to touch a dad's thermostat. You don't do that. Right. Like that's <laughs> period at the end. And he's like, Oh, well we got some weight to lose. I'm like, Who's the weed, bud? He's like, oh, I meant him. I'm like, that's right. You meant him. I said, if you want to use the word weed, you better strap up and get on the jog. Because, uh, you know, we need to lose some weight. And so Fitz tells that story all the freaking time. I'm like, whenever we're together. Um, but I think if for no other reason we need to have recreational wrestling practices, just to give somebody's dad's perspective, right? Like, we... And I know you see it in the Midwest. Some of these parents are crazy. 
They're crazy. And I think they forget. And some of them did wrestle, some of them didn't. But I think they forget. And it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget because that pain, whatever. I don't mean it as a physical. Like there's, but this this shit hurts sometimes, right? Like not just the day of. It hurts for like a couple days after. (laughs) Emotionally, it definitely does. Yes. Yes. You know, damn, I got what, dude, let me tell you something. Angelo Posado put it on me the other day. Put it on Joel Shaw, Angelo Posada, put it on me the other day. Like hand on the head. I'm like this, like, you know, so yeah, it can be, it can be really humbling. How did you, how did you deal with that? Cause it, yeah, there's, there's like, there's some, I don't know, emotional thing that happens when you can't get something right. And you, you said you probably looked like a baby deer out there, which is fine, but there's also something to be said for just taking a beating, right? Like, you know, so tell me how you dealt with that. Well, I mean, to your point, I lost in my match. Right. Now, the the score, in my opinion, was not accurate of the match. It was a lot closer than that. Oh, I see. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but it was, I think, the biggest thing for me was to acknowledge. I, we, I was in the middle of a practice one day, and I was getting really frustrated with Roper. Not with him. I was getting frustrated with myself. And... Um, Roper sat me down and he made me do this visualizing exercise. And then after the visualizing exercise, he says in the most calm voice he could possibly come up with, Becca, what is the point of practice? I said, to get better. He said, yes. If you come in here and you have a perfect practice, how are you getting better? I was like, Well, a perfect practice should be the goal. He goes, no, that's not the goal. The goal is for you to make mistakes in practice so that you can grow and learn from them. If you come in every single day and you've got a perfect practice, what are you learning? You're not learning anything. He was like, so you've got to look at this as a complete and total learning experience. Don't be concerned with your technique being awful. It took you 40 times before you got your sprawl right. Guess what? That 40th time, you learned how to get your sprawl right. You would not have learned that if you didn't make 39 other mistakes leading up to that. And so really changing my mindset on, oh, I'm coming here to make mistakes. I'm not Mm -hmm. coming here to have this awesome, wonderful, perfect, perfectly executed practice with technique. No, that's that's not possible. I mean, even for guys like Parker Katkaisen, I know every day he comes to practice is not a perfect practice day. He's making mistakes. Why do I know that? Because he's getting better. And if he wasn't making the mistakes at practice, he wouldn't be getting better. And that goes for everybody, not just the top D1 guys, you know, who are ranked number one in the country. That goes all the way down to the little kids who are six years old out on that mat. If you're not out they're at practice making mistakes you're not learning and if you're not learning you're not getting better and that's the ultimate goal of practice so I think humbling yourself to your to realize that your expectations should be to make mistakes so that you are growing is a 
kind of a self-discovery journey that you have to go on. You kind of have to be comfortable enough in your own skin to say, you know what? I know I'm going to mess up. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but that's okay because that's going to take me to the next level and whatever it may be. And I feel like that also applies in all things in life, whether it's business, your job, you know, your relationships. In order for you to grow, you've got to make mistakes or you're not you're not going to grow. We're human. We're not perfect. We need um we need more we need more moms and youth practices. How do we get more cuz like the the amount of dads that volunteer through the roof. How do we get more moms to volunteer? Oh, I think um, being honest with the moms and having maybe a, a meeting or an email that is sent out just to the moms um, mm -hmm. and being honest and asking for help. As females, I I know a lot of us, and especially for me, when someone asks for my help and comes to me and says, hey, I need help with X, Y, and Z, and I think you can help me with this makes me feel good because then I feel needed and mm. I feel like, oh, I can make a difference here helping. And so I think approaching the moms from a standpoint of, hey, here's an area where I need help in. And I think you guys are the ones who can help get, get this job done to the best that we need it done. Can you help? You will have a lot of volunteering moms. Yeah, you might be right. Maybe, you know, Everybody wants to be so inclusive, 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 inclusive. Maybe we just need, even if it's like three girls and two moms, maybe they just need their own practice. You know, it's funny. There was, there, there's some really interesting studies done. And I, I've talked to Joel about this uh, offline. I'm pretty sure. But like they handed out flyers for wrestling practice that said girls wrestling as part of the boys program. And then they handed out girls wrestling only like this is just for girls. They had like triple the amount of people come through because I don't know why I, I don't, I couldn't. It's comfortable it's it's being comfortable especially when you're trying something new it's a lot easier for a female to walk in and try something new when she's surrounded by her peers as opposed to trying something new and you're surrounded by guys and maybe you're surrounded by guys that are you know have been around the sport and this is not beginner and so you're not seeing the same mistakes um the Iowa women's wrestling team did this really cool fundraiser um, in August, and it was only for women 18 and up, and you raised money, and then you were allowed to go to what they called the Iowa Women's Wrestling Academy. And it was a day at Carver Hawkeye Arena, and they went over the difference between folk style and freestyle rules and stuff, you know, but then they also put us through a workout, the team, the Iowa women's team did. And we had ages in there from 18 all the way up to 70 years old That's of so women cool. trying this. I mean, it gives me chills to think about. And it was all women who didn't have much experience in the sport as far as as a wrestler. And so there was not this um, embarrassment factor there. Like, 
We didn't right, care. There's no that shame we, involved, right? Yes. No, there was, it was just, we were there. We were supporting each other. Um, it was incredible to be a part of and to just see. Um, I mean, it just, it was incredible. And so I think keeping it in a situation like that where it's around their peers and around people who are also inexperienced who are participating makes that vulnerability a lot easier of a pill to swallow. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Um, okay. I'm going to start bringing it home. Hey, before yeah, you do that, sorry. Mike, oh, one, one quick question I have, um, Becca, you obviously grew up in the sport. You have obviously seen so much of it over, over your lifetime. What are some things that are almost like second nature to you that you love about the sport that maybe somebody who has never wrestled doesn't understand? Um, I would say the first thing that comes to mind would be the wrestling community itself and the tight, tight niche family that it is. Um, and if you ever need anything, there is somebody in the wrestling community who knows someone who can help you or they themselves can help you. And knowing that you've got that support no matter what, um, once you're in the wrestling community, you're in. It doesn't matter if it's Georgia, Iowa, California, Texas, right? Like when you're in, mob, you're dude. in. You're in. And yeah. and that is something that I don't I don't think people are aware of. Like it's like almost like a game, blood in, blood out, right? Mm -hmm. Like once you're in, you're in for life. Like there's nope. no like you are in. You are keep in and they've got your out. back. Becca, I keep on trying to get out. They won't let me. No, no. <laughs> blood in, blood out, Mike. <laughs> Dang it. Um, all right, let's let's bring it home because hey, um, I forgot to do these with Cliff, and I'm a big dope for for not doing these with Cliff. Um, so we got to get to our our general questions that we ask everyone as we're finishing the show. So first things first. Now you have not had a ton of different wrestling shoes, but if you had to choose, whether it's something that you saw one of the guys wearing or the girls, or it's something that you worn yourself, what is your favorite wrestling shoe of all time? Um, it would have to be an A6 Stan Gable. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm okay. I'm not sure which which one, but um, it would have to be an A6 Gable shoe, um, for sure. I mean, right. I work at the Dan Gable Museum. I love A6 shoes. They fit my feet the best. I've got it tattooed on my neck. Um, yeah, it's got to be got to be A6 Gable. Dang, dude, you went you went and got it tattooed on your neck. Okay, um, I did. All right, and so, the USA wrestling symbol too. It's oh yeah. My gosh, I really? was 18. I know. I know, man. I know. It's a tough look. All right. I appreciate it though. I appreciate your honesty about it. All right. Um, so who is on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling? Okay. So am I allowed to do um a female only one? Or yeah. does it need to be no you okay. do you, yeah. Okay, so um, I first I have to start it out with Clarissa Chun um, oh, yeah. for the simple fact of everything that she has done for the sport, not only as an athlete, but as a coach. Um, she's just second to none. Um, absolutely incredible human being. Um, second, I've got to go Kaori Icho. Mm, okay. Um, third, I'm going to go Helen because, okay. duh, it's Helen. Mm -hmm. Um 
I also, my, one of my dogs is named after her and Kaori Icho. So, you know, you have a dog named Icho. People don't realize that. You, yeah. You have a dog named Icho, dog named Helen. So go ahead. Yes. <laughs> and then, um, I would say Adeline. Okay. To- All right. So there's your four Adeline, Icho, Helen, and Clarissa Chun. That's, <clears throat> we have never had an all female Rushmore. Have we Joel? No, that's pretty good. All right. First Here's time. For okay. Last question. If you had a magic wand and you can change one thing about the sport of wrestling, what would it be? Georgia Tech having a program. Really? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Joel, I don't think we've ever had a magic wand where people want to get just one specific like team back. Have we? We had a uh, Texas. We wanted a, t- a wrestling. Yeah, but they never had a team. Like Texas. it wasn't like it wasn't like they had a team and they they lost it. Oh, dude! And then Roper gets the job there, and y'all live ha- happily ever after, going to Georgia Tech football games. And yeah, I see what you did there. All right, well done, well done. All right, so. As we bring this thing on home, Becca Roper, there are going to be young women or maybe not so young women that want to reach out to you. How do they get a hold of you and and talk to you about maybe what they're going through in the sport or maybe how they can get involved in the sport? Um, They can reach out to me on social media or they can shoot me an email. Um, And in my email signature, I have my cell phone number so they can they can get that from there. Um, and uh, do you want me to like give you my email address? No, social social channels would probably be best. Social, they... Okay, so it'll be under Becca Roper, B-E-C-C-A-R-O-P-E-R. And you'll see a picture of me and my husband kissing after my match and I'm in a singlet. <laughs> there you go. I can't miss it. Can't miss it. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for giving us some time. I appreciate you. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. You're getting your butt out to San Diego here soon from what I hear. Oh, yes. I already told Melissa we're planning the trip for next summer. So it's, it. it's happening. Love it. All right. Then, young lady. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you guys so much. Have a good one.